God has, from the day he chose Abraham out, he said, I'm going to make of you a great blessing, and I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And of course, we know that personally, nationally, and globally, blessing comes through Israel. Salvation is of the Jews, Jesus said. Listen, the rock which was rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and God is going to take from you the kingdom and give it to a nation producing the fruit thereof. And that's what's happened in this era. Even Israel's rejection has become a blessing, and one day Israel's acceptance will be the source of worldwide blessing life from the dead, he says, as he describes it. Oh, it's good to know this, and it's good to remember that all blessing comes through the seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ himself. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, Do Not Be Arrogant. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. There are many, many millions who glory in their communion table or their baptism. If you ask them about God, they'd kind of resurrect some sort of idea. I think I was baptized back when or or I was baptized as a baby and I've been confirmed and I've and they glory in their religious privilege and there's a spiritual stupor that's set in. There's no heart faith in God. So as we read it, uh, let's not just leave it with Israel. Uh, there are many today whose table has become a snare and a trap. By the way, let's turn back to Isaiah for a second. Just look at Isaiah 29 briefly with me. Before I leave that, Isaiah 29, it's so sobering, and I'll tell you, uh, where there's rejection of God's Word, where there's a trading it in, Jesus said, for man's Word, and oh, that's happening today. It's happening in evangelical churches where the Bible is just given a little bit of lip service, maybe just a quote or two, and by and large, man's precepts are what's being taught. That's exactly what Jesus said took place in his day. And when that happens, it's inevitable that uh, the spirit of stupor will follow, the spiritual numbness, that deadness that sets in. But just read Isaiah and let it sink in, starting at verse 9 of 29. Be delayed and wait. Blind yourselves and be blind. They become drunk, but not with wine. He's describing this spiritual stupor. And he says, they get drunk. They lose their ability to make good choices, but it wasn't with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured over them a spirit of deep sleep. He has shut your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. The word of God quit going forth in judgment. And I'll tell you, it's a dangerous thing. In fact, it's a dangerous junction we're at in our generation. The church, God's people. What's our response to and our reverence toward His word? Isaiah writes of a time when they turned away and they began to get drunk spiritually and a spirit of stupor set in. And the entire vision, verse 11, shall be to you like words of a sealed book, which when they give it to the one who's literate saying, please read this, he'll say, I cannot for it's sealed. They give it to somebody who can read the literate person. He says, oh, it's so hard. I don't understand it. It's, I don't, I don't like that. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, please read this. And he say, I can't read. And you know, I can't read that without thinking how similar it is to today. 
when the Word of God is opened, so many, even in Christendom, just say, oh, I don't understand that. That's not really relevant to our day, to my life. And they just spurn it, and it becomes less and less. It becomes more and more sealed, so to speak. The spirit of stupor sets in. Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed." And as I said, if you're familiar with the New Testament passages, you see how often he goes back to this and quotes it. Jesus, Paul in Romans, Paul in Corinthians. And it's a principle throughout. God's truth spurned leads to darkness. Light turned away from leads to that spiritual stupor. It can happen in a whole church. It can happen in an individual life. And when that happens, uh, read on in Isaiah, Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, Who sees us? Who knows? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made should say to its maker, He didn't make me. Or what is formed say to him who formed it, He has no understanding. And you can't read that, I don't think, if you've been with us through Romans 9, 10, and 11 and see the Spirit that says to God, how can he do this? I don't like that. That's the fruitage of having turned away from God's word, having failed to respond to it, and that spiritual stupor sets in to where people end up turning things around and the creature pointing at the creator rather than the creature submitting to the creator and bowing in reverence to God. And that's what happened in Israel. And that's what happened in Jesus' day. That's what was going on in Paul's day. That's still happening today. And it will be yet future. Turn over to Second Thessalonians before we leave that. Let me show you Second Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, at the end of history, we're told that uh, people will be deceived. And it's amazing to think when Antichrist arises... He'll be able to get people to believe just about anything. And I guess today, as we look at the landscape, if we have perception, in fact, all through history, as you look at the landscape of man, when he turns away from God's truth, he is very deceivable. And he'll believe just about anything said with slickness. And so you have that happening throughout this age and throughout history, but it will come to its culmination when this world leader will arise, the Antichrist, the beast, the one who, uh, uh, who's coming, look at verse 9, 2 Thessalonians 2, the one who's coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. The final days will exhibit the culmination of this kind of thing, and as man turns away from truth, he will be susceptible to the worst kind of lie, and he will believe that which is in error, that which is false, rather than the truth. And so it's a principle throughout the Scripture. Now, 
Go back to Romans 11 and watch how Paul develops this. He says, uh, that's, that's the, the case with the rest. Now, God has his remnant, but the rest have been given over to a spirit of stupor, and that's still the case today. Well, then a natural question comes up again. Verse 11, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? Israel is so culpable as Paul thinks about it and as he, as he brings the argument along, how could they turn in such a way? Did they stumble so as to fall? Is it over with Israel? And he re-asks the same question, really. And he's asking so as to fall in the sense of, is this fall final? Is it over for the nation? And he responds with the same answer he gave before, verse 11. May it never be. May it never be. By the way, that question has erupted constantly through history. And we Gentiles, and I speak to most of us probably as Gentiles, although in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile, and we ought not to make that distinction in a, in a wrong sense, but where the gospel has by and large been received, Paul's saying, by the Gentiles, there is a tendency to think that God is done with Israel. And in fact, much of Christianity has taught that, and still segments of Christianity teach that, that God is done with Israel. And Paul answers it for the tenth time he raises a question that he answers in Romans. May it never be. He uses the strongest statement he can muster to say, no way. Israel's unbelief, and hence God's setting aside of Israel, is not final, it's not total, and it's not final. He is not done with Israel. But by their transgression, watch verse 11, but by their transgression, Israel's salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Now, if their transgression be riches for the world and their failure be riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if their rejection be the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead. Israel's failure to respond to Messiah, to respond to God, Emmanuel, when he came, brought salvation to the nations, to the Gentiles. And watch him unfold it here. It's an amazing statement, isn't it? I mean, just reading the paragraph, you can see what he's saying, but you almost have to stop and digest it because he says, listen, by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And then he says very specifically, to make them jealous. What's God doing today? Well, he's saving people from every tribe and tongue. The gospel's going out throughout the whole world. And by and large, Gentiles are believing it. And that is designed by God to make Israel and Israelites jealous of their relationship with God. Now, don't misunderstand this. He's not talking about uh, the ultimate causes here as he speaks of this. He, we've already seen that. God is graciously determined to save Jew and Gentile alike. And it's all of God's grace and his sovereignty. But he's outlining how he's doing it in the sweep of history. And today, the gospel is bearing much fruit among the nations among the Gentiles, 
to provoke Israel to jealousy. And uh, it's an amazing thing. Look what he says there, verse 13. I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles. And as I just said, uh, that, that tips us off here that he's not actually speaking of individuals here. He's speaking of God's big purpose. Uh, so he says, I'm speaking to you who are Gentiles because in Christ... There's neither Jew nor Gentile, but he says, I'm speaking to you as Gentiles inasmuch then as I'm an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. And this is so interesting because Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter to the Jews. But... And that's you, you see that throughout the Scripture and the New Testament's pointed out. God raised up Peter to take the gospel to the circumcision and Paul to the uncircumcision. But interestingly enough, it was Peter, the apostle to the Jews, who was used to open the door to who? The Gentiles in chapter 10 of Acts. He was the one God raised up. And Paul, whose emphasis is the Gentiles, he never lost his heart for Israel. And so as he went around the Roman Empire proclaiming the gospel, he says the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he'd go to the synagogue first, and they'd usually get kicked out, and then he'd go out into the marketplace, and he saw much more response from the Gentiles as he went around the Roman Empire. But you can't read. I mean, look back again at chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, Paul's heart for Israel... Don't forget his, this whole section. I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them. For who? For Israel is for their salvation. I bear them witness. They've got a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they didn't subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Oh, Paul had a heart for them. And I'll tell you, we should too. We should too. And though God is at work and we should be thinking globally, and thinking of all the nations, yet Paul says that the more successful the gospel is in the Gentile nations, the more it will provoke jealousy in Israel. And in fact, he remembers that as he ministers personally. He says, I personally, the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry so that if possible, if somehow I might move to jealousy some of my fellow countrymen and save, look at the end of verse 14 there, save some of them. Uh, that still speaks of the condition today and throughout this era. It will be still just God saving some of them. Now, this chapter is going to where he's going to say all Israel will be saved. But during this era, it will be that Jews will see Gentile salvation, and they'll be provoked to jealousy. How come we're getting in on all the promises? How come we're getting in on all the blessings of Abraham? And it will provoke some, and he hopes to save some of them. But how will they be saved? 
through a special Jewish gospel or anything? No, no, no. He's already said, look back at chapter 4, and I want to underline this because it's so profitable for all of us to remember this. Salvation, Jew or Gentile alike, he abounds in riches for all who call upon him, but when you come to him, you'll be saved by grace through faith. Uh, Remember back when he was turning it around the other way in verse 9 of Romans 4, is this blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Well, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Abraham was justified before he had been given circumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, verse 11, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be reckoned to them and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision but also who follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham which he had while uncircumcised. Oh, it's an amazing thing to see God's purpose and the explanation of it. As Paul says, God is at work today calling out people from the nations to provoke Israel to jealousy. Now look back and look at verse 15 and listen to the statement of it and think on it. For if their rejection be the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? He's saying the same thing, just in different words, that he said in verse 12. If their transgression be riches for the world and their failure be riches for the Gentile, how much more will their fulfillment be? Let me put it bluntly. If Israel's failure and unbelief and hence God's rejection of Israel led to the riches dumped out on the world through the cross, and it did. Look at verse 15. If their rejection be the reconciliation of the world, when did that take place? At the cross, that's where. If they're saying, His blood be on us and on our children, if that led to salvation for all the nations as it did today and does throughout this era to all who will call upon His name, what will it be when Israel nationally turns back? What kind of blessing will it be? He says, but life from the dead. I mean, he can't put it into words. And I think it's best to leave that phrase a bit. Uh, Some try to make it the resurrection specifically, but I think it's better to leave it. And most scholars feel it should be left with just that, the verbiage of just describing that unbelievable blessing that will come when Israel turns back to him. When I pour out on the house of David a spirit not of stupor, but of grace in Zechariah 12. And he says, then the nations will come to Israel and there will be no more curse and there will be righteousness in all the world. And the whole earth, Isaiah says, chapter 11, will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, the millennial blessings that will come when Israel, at the time of the end, and he's getting there in Romans 11, turns nationally and is saved. 
Listen, if their rejection, if God blesses, and he did. Remember, he chose Abraham out and he says, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations. And if even their rejection is a source of blessing, and he says it twice, verse 12 and verse 15, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Oh, it will be a great time. And you know, we should remember this. And we'll stop there, but uh, he isn't stopping. He wants to develop it further, and he moves right on, and the argument doesn't stop there. He's right in the middle of it. But I'll tell you this. God has, from the day he chose Abraham out, he said, I'm going to make of you a great blessing, and I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And, of course, we know that personally, nationally, and globally, blessing comes through Israel. Salvation is of the Jews, Jesus said. Uh, He said... In another occasion, which ought to be quoted here, you know, Matthew 21, when he talked to the vineyard, the parable of the vineyard, and he watched how the, 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 the workers didn't respond and kept persecuting, he said, finally, listen, the rock which was rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and God is going to take from you the kingdom and give it to a nation producing the fruit thereof. And that's what's happened in this era. Even Israel's rejection has become a blessing, and one day Israel's acceptance will be the source of worldwide blessing life from the dead, he says, as he describes it. Oh, it's good to know this, and it's good to remember that all blessing comes through the seed of Abraham, Jesus Christ himself. Personally, if you're to be saved, it's by the son of Abraham, the son of God. Nationally, I believe it behooves every nation to remember that uh, those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse Israel will be cursed. And it's an unwise thing to do what the nations have done throughout history. And uh, there's been much persecution of Israel and much arrogance. And he's going to get right into that. And he says, don't you be arrogant, you Gentile believers. But there's been much arrogance in referring to Jews as Christ killers and that kind of thing. And he says, you know, that's, that's the wrong spirit. That's anti-God's heart. God's heart calls out to Israel in grace and saying, oh, how many times I would have drawn you to myself, but you would not. So we should pray for Israel. And globally, we should remember what he says here in verse 12 and verse 15. Their acceptance will be the source of great, great blessing to the whole world. How is it with you personally? Have you responded to the Lord Jesus? Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. God always responds to faith. Even as we look and and marvel at the way God works in history and his sovereign purposes in orchestrating all this, don't miss this point. He never works contrary to faith. He always responds to faith, and he always judges unbelief. And so, personally, our response is crucial. You uh, will not know the blessing of God uh, without responding in faith. Do not harden your hearts, the Scripture says. Respond today. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Do Not Be Arrogant, a message from our series in the Book of Romans.
If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Downtown Bible only remains on the air through the generous contributions of listeners like you. We'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider partnering with us on a regular basis to help us meet our day-to-day expenses. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. You see, Christianity excludes any kind of boasting. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. If indeed God is one, he'll justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. There is no room for any boasting. And Jew, Gentile alike, when you come to Christ, you say, it's not me. All I had to offer him was sin. And you rejoice in the God of salvation. And you're glad to give praise and thanks, not to anyone or anything except him. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part three of the message titled, Do Not Be Arrogant. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.